Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik bringing you the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast on current issues affecting affordable housing, community development, and energy tax credits. This weekly podcast is brought to you by Novogratik & Company, a national accounting, valuation, and consulting firm focusing on affordable housing and community development. This week, we're going to cover three issues. As promised last week, my first order of business will be to say a few words of welcome on the appointment of the new CDFI Fund Director, Donna Gambrill. Next, we'll take a look at the presidential candidate's stances on renewable energy production and investment tax credits. Finally, we'll update you on the recent exchange of letters with the Securities Exchange Commission and the impact of these letters on the audit and other operating costs of LIHTC partnerships. First, we're pleased to extend our welcome to Donna Gambrell as she assumes the position of director of the CDFI Fund. Ms. Gambrell replaces Kimberly Reed, whose last day was November 12th. Ms. Reed had been with the Treasury Department for over three years and was appointed director of the CDFI Fund in January of this year. In this capacity, Ms. Reed oversaw the completion of the 2007 round of CDFI Fund programs, including the recent NMTC allocation. Kimberly Reed left the CDFI Fund to pursue opportunities in the private sector. Donna Gambrell's appointment begins Monday, November 26th. During the two-week interim, Peter Dugas is the acting director of the CDFI Fund. We expect that this change in leadership will not affect the timing of the new NMTC application round. We still expect to see a NOAA, that's a Notice of Application Availability, in December, with applications being due late in the first quarter of 2008. Ms. Gambrill comes to the CDFI Fund from her post as Deputy Director of Consumer Protection and Community Affairs with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Her resume includes stints at the Resolution Trust Corporation, the Federal Savings and Loan Insurance Corporation, and the U.S. General Accounting Office. In 2004, she received a National Public Service Award for her innovative work over the years in formulating public-private partnerships. It's worth noting that Ms. Gambrill has experience working in the Gulf Opportunity Zone as she spearheaded efforts to promote public-private partnerships among financial institutions, government agencies, and community organizations to encourage economic development in areas wrecked by Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. Now, let's move to the presidential candidate's stances on renewable energy, production tax credits, and investment tax credits. Both Republican and Democratic presidential candidates have been giving a lot of attention to energy policy. Given the rising gas prices at the pump, this is no surprise. Democrats generally want to cut the use of carbon-producing sources of energy to address their concerns about global warming whereas Republicans generally want to reduce the U.S. dependence on Middle East oil. As a result, all the presidential candidates have taken various positions on energy policy in the United States. Of more immediate concern for supporters of renewable energy is a particular candidate's support of renewable energy. The good news is that all the Democratic candidates support requiring at least 20% of electricity generated in America come from renewable sources by the year 2020. On the Republican side, Only presidential candidate Mike Huckabee has expressed a comparable position. He supports requiring 15% of electricity generated in America come from renewable sources by 2020. Novogratz and Company has only been able to identify one candidate who has taken a clear stance in support of renewable energy tax credits. That candidate is Senator Barack Obama. Senator Obama's website clearly states that if elected, he will extend the federal production tax credit for five years to encourage the production of renewable energy. We've identified numerous passing references of support from other presidential candidates for renewable energy. For instance, Senator Clinton recently commented in Nevada that she supported generating more energy from solar and wind energy sources. 
If any of our listeners are aware of other candidates' clear stance on supporting renewable energy tax credits, please let us know. We'll update future podcasts as we learn more. We'll also be tracking presidential candidates' support of renewable energy tax credits on our website at www.energytaxcredits.com. For those of you who support renewable energy tax credits, we encourage you to encourage presidential candidates to clearly state their support on their websites. Now let's review some recent correspondence with the Securities Exchange Commission and the possible rise in audit costs of tax credit partnerships. As many of our listeners know, for a couple of years now, there's been a concern about SEC rules that if fully implemented would cause the annual audit cost of public LHTC funds to rise dramatically. The Housing Advisory Group, led by David Gasson, as well as the Affordable Tax Credit Coalition and the National Association of Home Builders, have been leading an effort to delay or repeal the application of these stricter auditing rules to public LIHTC funds. To date, these industry associations have been successful in getting a delay of the application of some of the rules through March 31st of 2007. However, as it stands now, the stricter rules are now fully applicable. If they are not delayed, the audit costs of both the LHTC public fund and the partnerships in which they invested will see higher auditing expenses. In an effort to avoid raising the cost of operating affordable housing, these industry associations sent a letter on September 6th to Barney Frank, chairman of the House Committee on Financial Services. The letter explained the adverse impact these rules would have on the cost of operating affordable rental housing. In turn, Chairman Frank, less than two weeks later, forwarded the letter to the Securities Exchange Commission. In a cover letter, Chairman Frank expressed his concern that the rules increase the cost of operating affordable housing without providing additional investor protection. The chairman of the SEC, Chris Cox, replied to Chairman Frank's letter about two weeks ago. In his response, Chairman Cox explained that the SEC was open to continuing discussions to find a solution that protects investors without driving up operating costs. Accompanying Chairman Cox's letter was a summary prepared by Conrad Hewitt, chief accountant for the SEC. The summary provided background on LHTC funds and auditor independence rules. If you're interested in reviewing these letters, visit our website at www.taxcredithousing.com. For now, we'll need to wait and see how the industry association meetings with the SEC proceed and whether or not any additional relief is received. In the interim, LHTC property owners, before engaging their auditors for the coming year, need to check with their investors to determine if these rules apply to them. If these rules do apply, then they should confirm with their auditors that they can and will comply with these requirements. Well, that covers this week's issues. This marks our third Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. We hope you're finding these podcasts useful and informative, and we'd appreciate any feedback. Please let us know if there are topics you'd like us to cover in the future. You can reach me at michael.novogradic at novocode.com. We hope to see you at upcoming Novogradic events. We'll be in Las Vegas November 28th to the 30th for our Tax Credit Housing Finance Conference. We'll be in Austin, Texas December 6th to the 7th for our LIHTC Property Compliance Workshop. We'll be in Southern Florida January 9th to the 11th for our Tax Credit Developers Conference. And we'll be in San Diego January 23rd to the 25th for our New Market Tax Credit Conference. Please join us next week when we'll review the efforts in Congress to outlaw the ability to patent tax strategies. We'll also review recently released guidance from HUD regarding whether project-based Section 8 rents must be limited to LHTC rents. And we'll discuss the legislative status of the HUD funding bill and the presidential veto threat. This is Michael Novogratik. I'll be back next Tuesday. Happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening.